Hey, Tuma here. Welcome back to Diversity and Representation in Books, hosted by the owner of Tuma's Books, an online bookstore offering a carefully curated selection of culturally diverse books by authors of color. We aim to share stories that will validate, inspire, and teach. I hope you enjoy today's episode. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about some of my recent favorite books. Um, It would be great to do favorite books of all time, but honestly, I feel like I've been reading since I came out of the womb, um, and so I can't possibly remember or even narrow down my all-time favorite books of all time. Also, like, what is a favorite for me is so arbitrary and random that it it might only matter to me. But anyway, I hope you enjoy... um, learning about a few titles that have really stuck out to me um, in the last couple of years um, because ever since starting Tuma's books and getting back into reading for pleasure and not necessarily reading to teach, um, I've been discovering some really amazing books. There were a couple of years there um, after college where I started teaching where I just kind of fell off when it came to reading for pleasure just because reading books that I was going to teach um, took so much more of my time. So it was really nice getting back into reading for fun. So let's jump right in. So the first book I want to talk about is Ivalice Explains It All by Andrea Beatriz Arango. If you have been following me on social media, then you have heard me gushing about this book um, ever since I read it last year. It's a middle grade novel in verse by a Puerto Rican writer and has Puerto Rican representation as well. And it stars Ivelisse, who is journaling um, to handle the grief after losing her dad, right? Um, so Ivelisse is has been through a lot. She was in a car accident with her dad. She loses her dad. She survived. So there's a bit of survivor's guilt there. Um, she's trying to manage her mental health and her depression. She's on meds. She's seeing therapy. And she's hoping that seventh grade will be better um, for her, um, but it isn't. She's still dealing with the pressures of school. There's some sucky bullies. Um, She, her best friend is kind of distant from her and she doesn't realize that he might be going through his own stuff. Her mom is distant as well as she's dealing with her own grief, obviously, of losing her husband. And I think what I really love about this novel is that It has a realistic portrayal of kids who are dealing with real life stuff without feeling too kiddie, if that makes sense, right? Sometimes middle grade novels can feel like they were clearly written for young people, but I think sometimes as adults, we don't realize that young people go through life the same way we do, Um, and sometimes they don't always, you know, you can't always shelter children from certain aspects of life, Um, so I really appreciate middle grade novels that um, address real life issues in a really authentic way because in considering their use in the classroom or handing them to students I think kids need to see not only themselves and their representation diversity but they need to see their experiences also on the page as well right they if they're having tough lives or going through really difficult things um especially you know er, uh, in terms of like urban kids tend to go through really difficult stuff but I think it's nice to not feel alone in that way to to read a story about you know a seventh grader who's lost a parent, if you've lost a parent, um, someone who's dealing with mental health and seeing that portrayed really um, authentically. And I think it helps that um, the writer, Andrea, is also a former educator as well. So I think that perspective really helps her write an authentic piece of work. 
that is going to connect with young people. The other thing I really appreciated about this book is how it explores or how it portrays like middle school friendships, right? So Ivelisse's best friend, um, they become kind of distant, right? Because Ivelisse is going through so much, it's understandable that she's not a great friend, right? And so instead of them fighting or becoming nasty, her friend just pulls away, right? And kind of gives her a space while maintaining his own kind of peace. And, and I thought that was really like well done. Um, and then when Ivelisse is ready or when she realizes that she's being a crappy friend, they're able to, you know, reconnect again. And then she realizes that he was going through his own stuff and that she, you know, wasn't a good friend to him. And that growth, I think, is really powerful for young people to see because if you know anything about middle schoolers, their social dynamics can be really weird and really strange. And sometimes, especially girls in particular, it can be really toxic um, as they're navigating how to be good friends Um to one another. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting that's explored in this piece is kind of like the stigma of mental health with the older generation, right? Um, Ivelisse's abuela comes from Puerto Rico to stay with the family because she has she's developing dementia, which is really sad. And so she also doesn't understand Ivelisse's needs and the fact that she's taking medication. She thinks of her as quote-unquote crazy, right? And that's something that Ivelisse is also dealing with. And I think that's a you know, a lot of young people deal with that, right? With our parents and older generations not necessarily understanding or accepting of mental health. And so as we try to be more open about it, there's sometimes that kind of conflict um, with people who don't have a strong grasp. So again, I highly recommend Ivelisse Explains It All. Um, it is such a wonderful novel exploring some important themes of losing a parent, grief, normalizing mental health and therapy, and being a good friend. And the the language is really beautiful and that is written in verse. So check it out. The next one, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I have four novels that I want to talk about today, or five novels, and three of them are novels in verse. And the next novel I'm going to talk about, like, is the culprit for why and how I fell in love with novel and verse and why I'm obsessed with it. So about, I want to say five years ago, I read The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. If, again, if you've been following my page, you know Acevedo is queen. I am obsessed with her work. I still need to read With the Fire on High, but I loved Clack When You Land as well. I'm currently reading Family Lore, which is her first adult work. Um, but I read Poet X a few years ago and up until that point, I didn't really know like what novel in verse was, right? And I've never been fully comfortable with poetry. I think, you know, some trauma from undergraduate years and high school years and feeling like I don't get poetry. And I still kind of experience that a little bit. Like I, I try and push myself to read poetry collections, but sometimes I just feel like I don't understand them. So novel in verse is this really happy medium in that there's a story being told, but it's being told using poetic language, right? And so The Poet X was my first experience with that genre. And meeting um, Zamora, who is dealing with a strict mom and, you know, dealing with her, her body developing and her growing up in a world that likes to adultify and overly sexualize um, women of color or young girls of color, I really fell in love with the the story and the novel and how it was written in verse. And I also kind of related to it as a child of immigrant parents and having strict parents who 
are more strict on the girls than they are on the boys and having to navigate that um, without being disrespectful, right? Because you're like, I'm not going to disobey my mama and just do what I want, but also feeling restricted about being able to explore certain things. So Zamora is exploring her voice. She joins a spoken word club after school. She meets a boy. And so she's trying to navigate how to be her own person um, with her mother's strict expectations. So Poet X is always going to have a, you know, a place in my heart just because it introduced me to novel inverse. Next up is The Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully. Okay, so you guys know this book has been all over the place. It's won a couple of awards, and it is so good. So I read it as an audiobook, and it's kind of fun when I'm listening to a really like really good audiobook as I'm driving because sometimes I forget that I'm driving a little bit and so I'll find myself like pressing harder on the gas than I should be and then I'm like oops gotta slow down safety first um but I was just really delighted by this book one the indigenous representation is awesome like that's a that's an area or representation that I'm always constantly trying to diversify my reading in there aren't as many options out there. And so I try to read as much as I can. But then there's also the fact that it's like new adult and it's a thriller mystery. I don't read as much thrillers and mystery as I would like. Um, partly because I'm kind of a scaredy cat, which is why I avoid horror completely. But sometimes thrillers can be a little too intense too. Uh, but what's weird is that I love psychological crime shows though. Like I watch, I guess, quote unquote thrillers. But reading them is a different story. Anyway, so um, so kind of just following the mystery of what's going on with the reservation and why, where these drugs are coming from um, that's affecting the young people and just following Donis's character. She was so compelling. Like, I really wish she could be like a real person and that she could be my friend because I just felt she was so strong and... Mm but not perfect. And so she was just so real. And I love, I'm very much a character reader. So if a character is interesting and like authentic and feels real, like I'm in, like I'm in it for whatever journey, whatever experience they're going through. Like, I don't really care about the storyline as much. And I don't, I don't know. I haven't read most of mystery, but I think this was also well done in that just when I thought I was figuring out what was going on and who was the culprit, there was a new plot twist. And oh my God, it blew my mind. I was so shook. But then it all made sense, right? Like once I I realized, I was like, wait, now I see all of the signs. So anyway, I highly recommend The Firekeeper's Daughter. Bully also just released a new book, um, The Warrior, Warrior something. I forgot the title, but it's about um, Donna's niece. Um, So it's in the same world um, as The Firekeeper's Daughter, but you know, about 10 years in the future. So I can't wait to read that one as well. All right, number four on my list is A Time to Dance. And you got it. It is another novel in verse by Padma Venkatraman. Um, So it has a Indian representation and it has amputee representation as well, which is perfect for July, which is Disability Pride Month. And so... We have Veda, who's a talented dancer of traditional 
Tanatyam dance. I'm butchering that name. Um, but it's a traditional Indian dance. It's one of the oldest styles of Indian dance. And she's really good at it. Um, but then she's unfortunately in a bus accident after school one day. And she loses her right leg below her knee. And so she has to fight her way back to what she loves most, which is dance. And it's told in beautiful verse. I just couldn't help but fall in love with Veda's strength and her determination. She's both a typical teen, yet she's pretty much more strong-willed for her age, right? And I think that's driven by her strong passion for dance, right? There's these moments where she's, you know, moody and pouty because she just lost her leg, which is understandable. But then there's these other times where she's like, but I'm not going to let that keep me down. And I'm just like, wow, because I feel like I would be like such... I don't even know how I would respond, honestly. Um, so it was really endearing and heartwarming watching Veda fight her way back to dance in a different and more meaningful way. I feel like she developed a, a deeper connection to this style of dance that she loves so much. Another aspect that I really enjoyed about this novel is seeing her different relationships with different people throughout the story. Her parents, her friends, um, a new dance instructor that she discovers who's willing to take a chance on her. And every relationship teaches her something important about herself. And I think that's a good kind of reflection to take away for life in general. Because I've always believed that people, just like books, enter your life at the right time and the right moment that you need them. And sometimes they stay forever, right? And those are like the lifelong relationships. But sometimes they don't. And that's okay, right? They came in for a reason. You take whatever lessons or whatever blessings you're supposed to get from that relationship. And then you let it go. Um, so I thought that was really interesting in, in the way it's explored in this novel. So I really recommend this if you love poetic language, if you are if you enjoy dance and you're interested in learning more about a traditional Indian dance style that you might not know a lot about. I know I knew nothing about this style of dance. Um, and yes, I'm going to you know put the spelling in the podcast notes, but please look up YouTube videos on it. It is like so beautiful to watch. All right, last but not least, is probably not a surprise, but another favorite. This might be number one on the list, maybe, with Ivelisse Explains It All as a close second. But As Long As the Lemon Trees Grow by um, Zulfa Kato. I hope I'm saying that right. <clears throat> is absolutely amazing. Like, I was in such a book coma after reading that book, and I can't stop thinking about it, and I think I actually might reread it this summer. And I sent my copy off to a follower when I did um, the, the diverse book swap a couple of months ago, and so now I need to buy a new copy, of course, and it's a good excuse to buy myself a new book. So as long as the lemon trees grow follows Salama Kassab, who is a pharmacy student um, when the cries of freedom in Syria break out, right? So there's a civil war in Syria. She's an 18-year-old pharmacy student. Um, she had her parents, her big brother. She still had a home. She was a normal teenage, you know, living a normal teenage life until the civil war break out. And now she volunteers at a hospital helping the wounded who come through their door every day, right? So you go from a pharmacy student to becoming an emergency room surgeon or doctor, and she's trying to find a way out. She's desperate to leave her beloved country um, before her sister-in-law, Layla, gives birth. And 
she and then there's a physical manifestation of her fear and her trauma through this character called Kaf, right? That only she can see. And so we follow Salama as she's trying to figure out whether or not she should leave her beloved country for the sake of her sister-in-law and what's safest for them. She meets um, this guy, Kanan, who she was meant to meet, you know, as a possible arranged marriage with her family. And so they meet, and it's just so romantic and it's fate, but in this backdrop of like all this trauma that's happening. So it's this juxtaposition between this pure and beautiful love to like this devastation and fear and grief and pain that is so powerfully done that you can't even imagine that this is a debut novel, right? Like this is her first work and Kato's writing is so beautiful. And I just, I know I'm rambling. Like I'm, this is the one I'm making the less sense with, but I think that just shows you how much I love it that I can't even like find the words to describe it. And I think why it stuck with me is that it gives us a fuller picture of the experience of the Syrian refugees. Like, right, as an American or as a Western person, we just see in the news of people washing up on shores or really struggling in boats, and there's there's a distance there. But in reading this novel, you are fully in the story and you're fully visualizing what this must feel like. And it's real people versus, like, this caricature of refugees. And so... You just can't help but feel for how hard it must be and how difficult of a decision it must be to leave your home um, when you rather just stay, right? And everything you love and all the people you know um, and care about are connected to this land, but you have to leave for your own sake. So yes, there's a lot of pain and trauma in this book, but I think at the core of it, it's a novel about love, right? Love for your native country, for family, for yourself, for your people, um, and romantic love as well. And lastly, I think Lemon Trees explores the impact of trauma and PTSD on the psyche in a very unique way with the embodiment of Kolf. Like that was so fascinating to see that he was this, he was his own character, but a manifestation of like her thoughts and her mind and what was going on. And the plot twist I, that's all I'm going to say. Just wait for it and hang on tight because it is wild and it would blow your mind. So again, thank you for listening. These are, you know, my top five recent favorite books. I highly recommend all of them if you're looking for something that is powerful or different or, you know, it's just going to stay with you for many years to come. So again, check out Ivelisse Explains It All, Poet X. The Firekeeper's Daughter, A Time to Dance, and As Long as the Lemon Trees Grow. All of these titles are available through my bookshop shelves, so feel free to shop and support. Thank you. That's all for today. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Diversity and BIPOC Representation in Books. Book rep matters, so let's read diversity together. Until next time, bye!